Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the inventory challenge that holds back cyber success. You can't defend what you can't see. And so it's very important that you make sure that you have a complete inventory of what's on your network. The reality is these networks existed long ago, so a lot of the hardware is antiquated. The biggest mistake agencies make with zero trust. Understand what zero trust is. Understand the totality of zero trust. Um, I'll hear, I'll listen to, I still listen to a lot of people talk about zero trust, and I still cringe sometimes when I hear about it. And a budget holdup for the Army Corps of Engineers. We had to pull a lot of those things to the left to really implement some of the secure cyber practices. And that's just not on the IT side from an information technology and a network perspective, but also on the operational technology side of the house. It's Thursday, April 14th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Decision makers from the Navy, the Jake Office of DOD, the State Department, and more agencies are coming to the Government Forum 2022. It's happening at the Ritz-Carlton in Pentagon City this coming Tuesday. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. Cyber capability is one of the pillars of the Marine Corps' Force Design 2030. At CyberScoop's Zero Trust Summit recently, Clarice Kent, the acting cyber technology officer at the Marine Corps Forces Cyber Command, explains where the Corps is going technology-wise. I think at the department level, uh, there's been a conscious effort to adopt enterprise technologies and services. Uh, so we see that with the recent signing of the software modernization strategy uh, by the Deputy Secretary of Defense, uh, Dr. Kathleen Hicks, uh, where she really puts an emphasis on making sure that we are going enterprise whenever we can. Uh, the obvious reason is for uh, funding, fiscal uh, realities that we can probably uh, realize. But the other part is you don't necessarily need 100 things that do the same, same thing. For the Marine Corps perspective, for zero trust, we recognize that identity is the center uh, of execution. And so we've put a lot of our emphasis uh, there. Uh, one of the things that the Marine Corps prides itself on is having one network. What that means is a Marine that goes out uh, for warfighting uh, purposes, uh, is using the exact same network that he would use, he or she would use, uh, if they were back here at Garrison. The only way that that is possible is by having a unified identity strategy. So that's one of the things that we, we work really hard on. We're also working with our uh, sister service, the Navy, uh, with their Naval Enterprise uh, Identity Strategy. Uh, where we can be interoperable with them. So whatever we're doing is not just for the Marine Corps. It can be adopted by our Navy uh, counterparts as well as our DISA counterparts who also has an enterprise identity strategy which is called Global Directory. Great. What challenges are agencies still facing trying to maintain a complete inventory of authorized devices and to ensure their endpoint detection and response tools are properly deployed? Yeah. So, I mean, it just goes back to the to the basics. You can't defend what you can't see. And so it's very important that you make sure that you have a complete inventory of what's on your network. The reality is these networks existed long ago. So a lot of the hardware 
is antiquity. So, you know, perhaps maybe you can't take advantage of some of those modern capabilities or solutions that exist. So the first step is to try and uh, update, you know, your hardware. The Marine Corps has an effort, it's called EIM, the Enterprise Infrastructure Modernization, where we're getting rid of the old stuff, trying to put on some new stuff that is IP-based, which allows us to be able to see what's on the network. Once you can see what's on the network, then you can take advantage of some of these EDR tools uh, to be able to either manage the inventory or to your point, detect and respond to any threats. So how well equipped are agencies today compared to a couple of years ago to quickly identify and isolate segments of their IT environments that have been compromised? Sure, so you know, each, each year you get better. Um, so I would like to say that we're in a better place today than perhaps maybe we were last year or the year before. There's always room for improvement. So like I said, uh, you know, Worm wasn't built overnight. You wanna try and get after these things incrementally. Uh, by an inch to cinch. And so again, uh, Marine Corps, we're focusing on an effort called Enterprise Infrastructure Modernization, where we're identifying the low-hanging fruit, getting rid of some of that old equipment, putting on some new equipment, uh, and kind of taking it from there. So looking ahead, how are OMB's zero trust policies altering your agency's longer-term IT investment strategies? Yeah, so like the old saying goes, you know, put your money where your mouth is. I think these uh, OMB policies and strategies really puts a focus on uh, adopting a good cyber hygiene and strategy. Uh, you've got from the Office of the President, the NSM 08, which, which spells out specifically, thou shalt go to zero trust by this date. And so really it just gives us an opportunity to align our resources with our uh, objectives, specifically with regard to adopting zero trust. You can find a link to watch the video of that conversation in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop Podcast, coming on Friday's show, Robot Ships and Drones in the Navy. Shelby Oakley of the Government Accountability Office is taking a deep dive on Friday's Daily Scoop Podcast. That show debuts tomorrow afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. A new bill that would update the Federal Information Security Modernization Act is winding its way through Congress. One provision of the bill would be to change the way agencies demonstrate their cyber capabilities. Gerald Karen is the Chief Information Officer at the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General. At CyberScoop's Zero Trust Summit recently, he says compliance may be getting in the way of security. I think we're very compliance-focused in the federal government, is my opinion. You know, uh, like we just talked about Android 53 it will say your system must provide authentication. Well, the, the auditors come in and check, and guess what? I provide username and password. I have been compliant, but we need to be effective. So that's what we really need to get to zero trust. So how am I approaching it? Yes, there's uh, OMB 22-09 um, that has some specific things that we must do. Okay, that's fine, but that is not all of zero trust. Zero Trust is much more than just doing the things in that memo. Those are the things that OMB wants us to prioritize. Perfectly fine. So the approach is, first of all, what we did is, in, at least in my agency, and, and thanks to my CTO who is here as well, um, helping me with this, is we developed what we call a Zero Trust Functional Capabilities Model. That has, we've, uh, DHS defines five pillars. We actually defined eight pillars. And those pillars have functional capabilities. Data will have data loss prevention, data segmentation, user will have user authentication, user access, all these things, network, applications, and you know we have governance as well. 
So without spending another penny, what do I have available in my toolbox today? And then I took the DHS maturity model and we said, well, how are we doing if we are doing it? If we're not doing it, I might have something I could use over there. So, um, but towards this, but I'm not doing it. So, you know, so basically keep it simple. Green, yellow, red, you know, how, how are we doing? Then we identify, we know what our gaps are as well. Um, when we talk with vendors to do our market research, we also give them that same homework. What do you do? Because as we've heard already, no one person does it all, so we wanna know, you know who we're talking to and what gaps they can potentially fill or improve um, on some of the things that we have. So that's our approach. I also have five priorities. So what we're doing with that is that, an, that is an input to our roadmap. Our roadmap has multiple objectives in each of the five pillars, and we will identify that objective, and now then what projects do we need to get to those objectives, and those will be all phased. Can't do one, I, I'm an advocate, you can't do one pillar on its own. I can't like finish the identity pillar, because guess what, I'm probably gonna go back and re-engineer one of the other pillars after I'm done with identity, if I just did it that way. However, once we have that roadmap and all those objectives and those, of those pillars, I also have the five what I call foundational projects that we're doing. Um, one is around identity, data mapping, which is not network mapping. Data mapping is taking an application, mapping the data, because that's what we're trying to protect. And I need to be able to baseline that and understand what it's doing. So we're doing that. Um, you know, what is it I own, own or what can I can, what's within my realm of control? So having that inventory is another aspect. And then, you know, to bring benefits to my users is I hate the tethering of the data center just to go back out where are we putting all of our resources in the cloud or, or accessing the internet. So this tethering to an on-premises just to go back out is kind of inefficient at the same time. Um, and the great thing about TIC 3.0 allows us that flexibility so we can still get um, some of these technologies and this telemetry, but also show improvements to my users, which I will also say is a big thing that I'm also adding is my users are part of my team. Why do I say the users are part of my team? Because if you think of a football team, there's the people on the field making the changes, doing the work, you gotta make this zero trust tough happen. There's the people on the sidelines, your project managers, your program managers, making sure that the things are working that are on the field. There's the C-suite executives that are up in the, in, the, in the nice suite up there. They're making sure the resources, the, the money, the things and the prioritization that's needed to make that team successful is, is happening so that that team can be successful. But why does that team play? Why does that team want to be successful? Because of the fans. The fans are our users. IT is an enabler. HHSOIG, for example, was not put on this earth to do IT. The IT is there to enable the HHSOIG mission. Therefore, I am drafting them in as part of the team. I want to know where's the data? What is the data they need access to? When do they need access to it? How do they want to access it? Not how do they, how do they want to so I can build those things in up front and those requirements because it's much better and much easier for them to accept the changes that may come along when they do come along because now they're aware of them and I've built those in listening to them and building those personas and understanding how, how they want to work, not how they work, how they want to work. So great. long question, answer to a oh, great. No, question. I, a lot of information. I love the fact you engage the users as part of the team because probably they have to change the way they interact with the system and yep. getting them on board early is, is perfect. Uh, you also talked a little bit about investment and starting from where you are. Yep. Um, However, you have a limited IT budget, like yes. we all do. How do you have a discussion with senior executives within your agency 
when you're having discussions about investing in new servers or investing in new applications or investing in what it takes to migrate towards this architecture. Yeah, that's why my knees are kind of warm my pants. I get down <laughs> on my hands and knees a lot, begging for money. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, it's, it's difficult. I mean, the federal government, we're in a two-year budget cycle, and you know we're budgeting for 2024 right now. Do you really think I know exactly what I'm going to be doing in 2024 right now? Uh, no, it's probably going to change between now and then. Um, and then, even actually, the memo, the 22-09, actually says, you know, find the money now. Um, you know what you can. There are avenues like I have submitted for the Technology Modernization Fund, which is great. But so haven't many others. So I'm in the queue right now, and you know, um, there's probably billions of dollars of submissions that are getting prioritized and mine being one of those hundreds of submissions that, that um, are being sifted through and prioritized. So not a guarantee there. So, um, but that's why we do, what can I do with the investment I have? Um, of course, we're putting it into our 2024 budget. We're reassessing priorities, of course, for 2023, because we're doing that budget as well. You're always doing two years of budgets. Um, so basically, you know, we might have to take some risk to get some things done, because there are some specific things we're being asked to do. So um, we're, we're, it's a lot of reprioritization, um, a lot of making the most of what you got. You know, um, you know, some I can't remember where the quote comes from. I think it might have been Donald Rumsfeld. Um, it goes something like, um, you know, you go to war with with what you got, kind of thing, or something like that, along those lines. Um, but, but that's what we got to try to do, um, make the the most of it. So, but and we have some things that we can get some progress done that I'm confident of. Oh, great, uh, and just in the few minutes we have left, you're part way down the path. What mm -hmm. one or two learnings have you discovered that uh, you might share with others that are trying to get down the same path? Understand what zero trust is. Understand the totality of zero trust. Um, I'll hear, I'll listen to, I still listen to a lot of people talk about zero trust, and I still cringe sometimes when I hear about it. Um, it's like, yeah, we're doing zero trust. And they're talking about identity the whole time. And what I'll do is, you know, I actually had this argument in a round table one day and the guy, and I was asked like, where do you start? I say, I start with the data. I, I, I need to know that's what I'm protecting. That's what the users are protecting. That's what the bad guys want. You know, it's about the data. And the guy said, I disagree with you. I think it's about users. I said, fine. I said, users and identity is extremely important as one of the main pillars. However, if I was compromised, Doug, and you were the analyst, I'm going to guess the first two questions as a cybersecurity analyst you're going to ask me is, what did I have access to, and is it, is it getting out? Is there exfil? Is that about me anymore? That's about data. So really understand what your data is, where your data is, what your data is doing, and then understand all the pillars as well, and, and what makes up the totality of zero trust. Um, you know, I actually just briefed the IG community on this and going back to the, the previous one as well. It's going to change the way they do work as well. Uh, we're focused on a lot on the implementation aspects, but there's also the auditors, the assessors. Um, I actually saw where a few people took a perfectly um, ATO'd system and passed with flying colors, all the 853 controls of a moderate system. Passed with flying colors, not a problem, no poems, anything. But then the same services looking at the um, zero trust controls and principles, total failure in, in that aspect. So it's not gonna be a one for one. So 
we got to figure out a way, you know, going back to the last speaker as well, we got to figure out a way to measure effectiveness and not just compliance, because they are two different things in my eyes. And that's what we really want to be, is we want to be effective at our cybersecurity. Compliance can fall in place, to me, um, may be controversial. There is a place for compliance. I'm not saying that there isn't, but I think we got to learn how to be more effective and measure that effectiveness somehow. You can find a link to watch the video of that conversation in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. IT leaders from CISA and HHS headline the Government Innovation Strategy and Technology Conference on May 19th. It's happening at the International Spy Museum in downtown D.C. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Army Climate Assessment Tool is one technology tool the Army Corps of Engineers provides. That tool helps Army installations identify climate threats that could impact mission readiness. Devarius Peoples is Chief Information Officer at the Army Corps of Engineers. At CyberScoop's Zero Trust Summit recently, he lists some of the challenges he's up against keeping his network secure. Being able to ensure that everything is properly configured and it integrates well, uh, being able to ensure that those who need access have access, those are some of the challenges, just really identifying the right individuals that need that access and then being able to ensure that they can properly connect to the mission critical data that they need. But we're working through it though, so, so progress will be made this fiscal year as well as next fiscal year as we, uh, as we begin to implement those capabilities. And then next, what challenges are you still facing um, trying to maintain, for example, a complete inventory of authorized devices, again as sort of spelled out by OMB, and, and ensure that your endpoint detection and response tools are properly deployed? Right. I think some of the challenges is really one from an endpoint perspective, which are your end devices, just ensuring that your CMDB is uh, really updated, which is really your command database uh, where, where your inventory and assets sit. Just making sure that that is accurate. Also from an endpoint perspective, ensuring that we can properly manage, patch, maintain those devices. Uh, being that there's a lot of software in the enterprise, devices are so many places, it's really hard to ensure that you actually properly patch those devices and then once they're patched, users have the ability to actually connect and operate with them in an efficient manner. So those are some of the challenges we're seeing that we're beginning to work through, but working closely with Army, larger Army, as well as the rest of DOD, I think we're making a lot of leaps and strides. And then next, how well equipped are agencies in general, and yours in particular, um, compared to a couple of years ago, uh, when it comes to being able to identify and isolate IT environments that may have been compromised? Yeah, I think we've come a long ways. Um, technology has, has allowed us to modernize how we do business as well as different philosophies has allowed us to really look at how we approach certain things. Um, so, so with those things, I think we have done a, a lot better job as well as being able to communicate across the aisle. Um, understanding what, what other organizations are doing as well as internal to your organization helps you be, begin to identify as well as assess and then mitigate the risk. So, so I think we've done a great job, but there's still more room to grow um, and working with industry partners to help us get there. I think that'll be a success and a huge win. And then last question for you, looking ahead, um, how would you say OMB's zero trust policies are altering your agency's longer term IT investment strategies? Right. I think it's forcing us to look at how we deliver IT services in a secure manner differently. Um, a lot of things that we, specifically at the Corps of Engineers, have projected from a cyber perspective in, this, in, in the previous fiscal years coming up as we planned, we had to pull a lot of those things to the left to really implement some of the secure cyber practices. And that's just not on the IT side from an information technology and a network perspective, but also on the operational technology side of the house 
when you think about levees, locks, dams, those critical waterways, those things we secure, it's really forced us to look at our operational technology in a lot more details as we secure a lot of our nation waterways and those type of things, especially from an Army Corps of Engineers perspective. You can find a link to watch the video of that entire conversation in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back tomorrow with a look at drones and robot ships in the Navy. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.